return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Just beautiful, just wonderful, just wonderful. Well, thanks be to God. Yes, Lord, we're so thrilled that you cause us always to triumph, always, in every circumstance, every situation, day in and day out. Hallelujah, you cause us always to triumph. Mm, How did Pastor Dave say it this morning? The word of God always trumps our circumstances. So, Lord, thank you for revelation knowledge flowing even tonight. Hallelujah. May your word take highest place in our hearts, in our minds, the highest authority that there is. And we declare the lordship of Jesus Christ over this service. We declare the lordship of Jesus over our lives. And Jesus, we welcome your glory. We welcome your power. We welcome your presence in our midst. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 All right, so I titled it The Who of Our Declarations, but my subtitle is Heaven's Piñata. Piñata. P-I-N-A-T-A, but Spanish, right? You Africans know what a piñata is? All right, so you got to picture this big thing, right, hanging from high up, like from heaven. All right, anyway, we'll get to it. So we've been meditating and unpacking and talking about Okay, well, at, it usually happens at kids' birthday parties. They put up this big thing decorated like an animal or something fun, a big clown or a donkey. And then they blindfold all the kids. And they all have sticks in their hands and they're trying to find this big thing full of goodies. It's full of candy and toys and all kinds of stuff. And God has a pinata for us, friends. All right, so we've been meditating and unpacking about this amazing power that God has given us, the power, the authority, the life that's released whenever we speak the rhema word. I'm talking about the spoken word, the living word of the living God, when it's in our mouths. That's what a declaration is, a statement of faith based on the Word of God. And I'm talking about the Word that always, always accomplishes what it's set out to do. We've studied about death and life being in the power of our tongue. We like to think of the positive, but we got to remember that we can, as God's creative people, we can release death, but we don't want to. We have chosen to release life because our words carry fear or faith. Our words carry life or death. Our very worlds, Pastor Dave used that scripture this morning, Hebrews 11, verse 3. Our worlds are framed by our words, meaning the very house we live in. I actually posted that on Facebook on my little story a couple weeks ago. My niece is in a heavy-duty workout program, and she goes to the gym, and every day they have this big blackboard with this inspirational quote on it. 
And that day it said, be careful what you say, because it'll become the house that you live in. That's basically Bible, right? (laughs) Hallelujah. Our very life, our experiences are framed by our words. We're the builder with our tongue. James chapter 3 refers to our life as a ship. It doesn't call us a little motorboat or a little sailboat. It talks about a big ship on the sea of life. It doesn't matter if it's a really calm, quiet, beautiful day or if the waves are howling and the wind is blowing and everything's totally out of control. The ship is ruled by, dictated, controlled by that little rudder. Um, This is the complete Jewish Bible. Think of a ship, although it's huge and driven by strong winds, yet the pilot, that's you and me, can steer it wherever he wants with just a small rudder. And the Bible clarifies that he's talking about the tongue. I mean, you might be facing a huge problem. Uh, a, A near impossibility. I mean, that's kind of what they're talking about when they're referring to this strong winds howling and waves that are out of control. Yet, this hidden member, our mouth, our tongue, it dictates our entire life. Now, the Bible says we end up eating the fruit of our words. If you don't like what you're eating, you might have to change what you're saying. Hallelujah. So hopefully we've been changing our thoughts, changing our words to agree with God, because the most powerful thing we can put in our mouth is the Word of God. The Word of God. So I came across this beautiful picture of this plan of God's to speak His Word, to release life and the blessings and the full inheritance and a break to release that pinata from heaven that we've been talking about. Romans describes it as calling those things that be not as though they were. So I know you could get a little tiny, tiny bored because you heard all this this morning, but it's some of the richest scripture in the world, right? Romans chapter 4, so we're going to peek at that just for a minute again. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Now this is the declaration that Abraham heard from God. Hopefully, once in a while, you're reading through the word and you think, and it's like it comes alive, right? Hopefully, that's happening a lot. When you're in the word, something just... I had a lady once tell me it was like the words on the page turn gold. Yeah, it's fun when God's speaking. This was the word that God quickened to Abraham's heart. Maybe it was like back when he was 75, right? Before whom he believed. Even God who quickens the dead. Now, Pastor Dave helped us see that this morning, how long it took in Abraham's life to build up his faith. Was he wasting time? I mean, God should have, could have said, shame on you, this should have happened a long time ago, but he doesn't do that to any of us, right? What would you say? Yeah, (laughs) thank you, Jesus. He's patient. He waits for us. And it's never a waste of time when we're building up our faith. And, of course, we have to look at how did Abraham do it. Verse 20, he glorified God. He kept giving glory to God. Big secret here. 
praise and worship and praise and worship and thanking God. Your declarations could, should begin all the time with, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We want to develop a grateful heart, a thankful heart. I would dare you to record yourself. Maybe for a 24-hour period. Ask your mate. (laughs) How many times did you say thank you in a day? I remember reading that testimony of that man who was ready to kill himself. He was so discouraged with life. And somebody said, well, try. Try this, being thankful. So what he did is he went and bought 365 thank you cards, and he sent one out every day to somebody different. Within a year, he said, I'm a new man. I cannot believe the difference, how life is so rich and so full, just becoming grateful and thankful. All right, uh, we talked about growing strong in faith. Hallelujah. We actually bring about the release of our inheritance, friends, from the heavenly realm into the physical when we call things that be not as though they were. Let's see. Did I miss a little part? Yes. Before him whom he believed. All right, this little phrase, quickening the dead. What are we talking about? Quickening. I mean, God is a God of life. I got so excited this morning. I was sharing with Grace, and I might not say this perfect because I didn't do an in-depth study, but this, the last two weeks when I was uh, talking with the Lord about this force of life that's within us. And um, the Lord reminded me of years ago, I heard this preacher preach, so I don't know when or what country or when in the time frame of history this happened, But it used to be that when people murdered somebody, killed somebody, that their punishment, instead of jail, instead of being sent away, instead of prison, was they would take the dead body and attach it to the person who was guilty of the murder. Attach it. I mean, like face-to-face, hand-to-hand. So you've read about this, you've heard about this. Okay. So... And I was explaining to somebody, and she didn't want to hear about the worms. And You know, I mean, that's what happens. The maggots start creepy crawling all over, and pretty soon the death from the other body is affecting the live one. Well, this is what Jesus said to me. Debbie, I want you to imagine that I am attached to you. Doesn't the Bible talk about vital union with Jesus Christ? So he said, I want you to just picture me face to face, right up. Me. Face to face. The living one. I mean, I, try this this week, guys. Live like that as if Jesus, the life, is attached to you. And guess what? His life is going to affect your body. It's, it's going to, resurrection life will flow into your cells and affect your organs. And after all, I mean, we, it'd be, we get him inside of us. It's not just the outside, it's from within. So you can picture it both ways if you want. We need to get our imagination kicked in sometimes that we have this force of life on us. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying quickening the dead. (laughs) It happens, it happens, because God is the life giver, right? Uh, Several translations actually describe it as calling into existence that which does not exist. I mean, I want you to know we have an inheritance in Christ. 
Even if you're not experiencing right this moment, it's there with your name on it. Hallelujah. And it's better than anybody told you. (laughs) It's better than anybody ever explained. And it's worth a lifetime of building up your faith if that's what it takes. But I'm telling you, it does exist. It's years in Jesus Christ. Just as surely as... Now picture Abraham when he was 70 or 5 already and God's saying, you're the father of many nations. He didn't see it. He didn't feel it. He didn't experience it. He could have said a year later, not working. It's not working. Nothing's happening. But was Isaac already a fact? As far as God was concerned, he was already a fact. Hallelujah. A spiritual reality. And all of that inheritance that the Bible talks about is yours. It's a fact. It's in the spirit waiting for us. Okay, so here's the pictures I wanted to share with you. One is um, in Exodus chapter 17, and one is in Numbers chapter 20. We'll start in Exodus chapter 17. Now, do be aware as we're reading this, and again, some of times you can just shut this off and think, I know this story. I know it back and forward. You know, I don't need to listen. But I want you to realize now that this rock is Christ. Paul teaches this very clearly, and we have that scripture, don't we, Jeremy? 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4, King James says that all drank the same spiritual drink. They drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ Jesus. Yes. And I know there are some that say we don't have to pay any attention to the Old Testament. But you know what? There's a whole lot we can learn. And this, there's such a picture here, and I confess I learned a whole bunch of this from Joseph Prince. And he's this in-depth Hebrew scholar, and so I kind of, I'm going to share some of it with you tonight. Okay? So... Jesus is the one who supplies our need. He's your supplier. He's my supplier. He was a supplier for the Israelites, okay? Now, the waters that we see that are going to come forth from this rock represent all of the blessings of God, all the goodies in the heavenly pinata. Everything that Peter talked about in 2 Peter 1.3 where he says his divine power has given us everything Past tense, has given us everything needed for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And other translations say we've been called to his glory and virtue, meaning his power. And we have to understand this. Everything we need for life and godliness, complete devotion to our Savior has already been provided. So declare with me, friends, my every need... Has already been supplied. Everything I'll ever need. It's mine. In Jesus Christ. Everything I need for daily living. God has already ordained. For it to be supplied. Everything I need to walk in victory. Is mine. Hallelujah. Everything I need to walk holy with my God is already mine in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? 
Glory to God. So how does this work? Well, Pastor Dave helped us see a little bit of it this morning. It's because of the big exchange. Jesus took your and my sin, the very depravity of our sin nature on himself, and gave us his righteousness. We are, as far as God's concerned right now, he looks at you and sees faultlessness, innocence. I mean, some of us have had some interesting pasts. God doesn't remember. You now wear the innocence of Jesus Christ. It's rich, isn't it? He took, he experienced death, the very blow of heaven, the judgment of God against sin, so that you and I could have life. So, do we have Exodus 17? Let's start at verse 1. Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and they camped in Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses. They said, give us water that we may drink. So Moses said, why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses. That's always beneficial, by the way. Ha, ha, ha. Complaining. Why is it that you brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take in your hand your rod which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. The command was to strike the rock. And notice the Lord stood right beside him on the rock. This is a picture of the wrath and the judgment of God against sin. You're in my sin. Jesus stepped in front of us. He took the punishment on himself. He took the blows. He was beaten so that the waters, the living waters, would be released for the people to drink, including you and me. Exodus 17, 6 in the basic Bible, uh, BBE, was that basic Bible in English? It says... See, I will take my place before you on the rock in Horeb, and when you give the rock a blow, water will come out of it, and the people will have drink, and Moses did so before the eyes of the chiefs of Israel. Now, like I said, Joseph Prince is the one who gave this idea. He said it's like hitting a pinata, the blow, the striking, the punishment was upon Jesus, that rock. And the waters were released. Blessing, life. This is the way it says it in Psalm 105, verse 41. It said, he opened the rock and the waters gushed out. They ran in the dry places like a river. Hallelujah. It gushed out. It gushed out. It began to flow in such an extent that the dry places became like 
rivers. Do you have any dry places in your life? The waters are already flowing, friends. Jesus already took the blows. The pinata has already been broken. <laughs> Ephesians 1.3, God's word translation says, Through Christ God has blessed us with a couple little blessings here and there. No. Every, 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 every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. And you can't tell me that it's not for you. You cannot say, well, I just don't deserve it. You don't know what my past is like. No, friends, if you are in union with Jesus Christ, every one of these blessings is yours. Notice, too, this was done in front of the elders of Israel, which is exactly how it went down for Jesus. He was judged, arrested, condemned to die, crucified in plain sight of all of the highest religious leaders of the land. And the highest is the high priest, who happened to be Caiaphas. Um, did I give you that scripture, Matthew 26, 65? Not sure. Did I, yes or no? Okay. Well, anyway, it explains that Caiaphas was, okay, he was so distressed. Look, at it says he tore his clothes. When he heard Jesus say he was the son of man, he ripped his robe and shouted, he spoke in blasphemy. What further need we have of witnesses? Look how, look, now you've heard his blasphemy. They were all aware of the prophecy in Daniel that the Messiah, the Son of God, would be calling himself, would be described as the Son of Man. And when Jesus said that, oh my goodness, he was so distressed that he ripped his robe, which is, was actually a prophetic gesture, which said, that's the end of the old priesthood. It's done. Kind of like the ripping of the veil in the temple. So, there's no more old priesthood. We're moving now into the new. And guess who is the great high priest of the new priesthood? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And the Bible calls him the high priest of our confession. So, in case you're thinking I'm way off base here, but what are you, you're trying to connect declarations. It really is connected here. Look at um, Hebrews 3.1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. That's you, friend. We are partakers of the heavenly calling. It says we are to consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. So this whole picture from Exodus 17 is a picture of the need of God's people for the living waters, the life of heaven and how it was supplied. How was it supplied? The striking, the blow, the judgment, which fell on Jesus. And when the rock was smitten, the waters began to flow in dry places. And the wastelands became rivers. Just think for a minute, do I have any wastelands? Do I have any dry places? Are there any things in my life, dreams? Abilities, relationships that are a little bit on the dead side. 
Anything being wasted felt like it's a waste. <laughs> Let the rivers flow into those places, friend. Now, there was another episode in Numbers chapter 20 where, again, the people are thirsty and in need. And guess what? You're going to have another need in your life. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe the next day, next week, I can guarantee you're going to have some more needs. But God has already provided, and that's what we're going to see what's happening here. So let's read. We'll start in verse 3 this time. The people contended with Moses, and they said, If only we had died when our brothers died before the Lord. And I'm not sure if they're referring to, now this is year 38 in living in the wilderness. So a whole lot of their friends and neighbors have already passed on. And just a couple chapters before this was the big um, rebellion of um, Korah and Abiram. Yeah. So a lot of people have died. So now they're, they're complaining to God again. And this, notice the why questions. Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness? That we and our animals should die. Why have you made us come out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It's not like you said. We're not seeing grain or figs or vines or pomegranates. And there's no water to drink. Complain, complain, complain. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And they fell on their faces. That's quite an interesting phrase. Just about every time... They complained to Moses. There he was on his face before God. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take the rod. You and your brother Aaron gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield its water. Thus shall you bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. Now, I just want to give a little explanation here. Commentators say that Moses was not supposed to use his rod, that rod of judgment, the one that, they, that he used for all the ten plagues and for the crossing of the Red Sea. He was supposed to use the rod from before the Lord. And again, just verses before this is when Aaron's rod had blossomed and the Lord proved to everybody who the real high priest was. So... I'm not sure I understand all that. I just know that there was some disobedience going on here, that, Abraham, that Moses didn't do it like God exactly wanted him to do. So he took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said, a little bit angry here, Here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, his rod. And water came out abundantly and the congregation and their animals drank. It's very merciful of the Lord at this point to let all this water come out of this rock again, even in the disobedience of Moses. The Lord spoke then to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me, to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Like I said, this was the pure mercy of God to let the waters flow because they were thirsty. They had needs. But 
Moses failed to obey. And this time, and every time since the sacrifice of Christ, all that's necessary is that we speak to the rock. What does that mean for you and me? Well, I referred to it earlier. It means when the devil comes with lies like, remember what you did. You don't deserve that healing. You don't deserve that answer to prayer. What makes you think that I can give you peace or you fulfillment or fullness of the Spirit when you're going to have to pay for what you did? I mean, those are all lies from the enemy. That the sacrifice of Christ wasn't enough. But it was. One perfect sacrifice for all time. In fact, let's peek at that verse, Hebrews 10, 14. With one sacrifice then, he has made perfect forever those who are purified from, for, from sin. One perfect sacrifice for all time. The enemy will constantly come to you and say, you have to pay. Or you're not worthy. Those are lies. That's in a, in a way, that's like striking that rock again. We don't need to strike the rock. Number two, what else does it mean? It means we now take advantage of the new priesthood. Jesus is our great high priest. He's the high priest of our confession. Like the Bible says, we now declare and decree the rhema, word of God. We agree that Jesus, that, that the rock has been smitten. And the waters are already flowing. And what else do we do? Number three, we speak to the rock. Hallelujah. We make our declarations in the presence of our high priest. Now, when you're making your declarations, I mean, I don't know what you're seeing or what you're thinking or what you're feeling, but you can use your imagination a little bit and see the great high priest of your confession hearing your every word. And responding to it. And see, we sang about it tonight. I mean, I, I realized while we were singing about the rock, there's that phrase, um, rock of ages, cleft for me. And I've always pictured that as that scene where Moses kind of hid in that little secret place and that God isn't my hiding place. But I got this new revelation tonight while we were singing it that it's way more than that. When he cleft the rock, he broke it open, right? He broke it open and all the blessings and all the, the goodies of heaven, the full inheritance is already yours and mine. Hallelujah. That's who we make our declarations to, the high priest of our confession. And the Holy Spirit bears witness whenever we speak truth, yes? And the angels give heed whenever the word is spoken, Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I want to just share one more quick thing. So this second passage in um, Numbers chapter 20, in the first one, well, in English, they both use the word rock, R-O-C-K. So you can't really figure this out that there's some in-depth difference here. But in the first passage, it's T-S-U-R, which is a big boulder. Just like we all pictured, right? A big boulder that gives out water. The second one in Numbers chapter 20, it's a different word. It's the word S-E-L-A, Selah. 
referring to a high cliff, an exalted high up rock. So again, Jesus is in this whole picture all everywhere, right? Because when you're speaking to the rock, when you're speaking the word and releasing this, calling things that be not as though they were. That's what we're doing again, right? We're releasing this inheritance, these blessings from heaven, simply by speaking the word of God. We're speaking to the rock. We're speaking in faith and we're releasing, but we're talking to the glorified Jesus, the one who's already in heaven, who's already issued all those waters, who's already let it flow on your and my behalf. You're all looking at like you're, are you getting what I'm trying to say? I'm not sure I'm saying it the right way. But anyway, the rock, Jesus, has already cleft for you and me. And all the waters, all the blessings, it's all yours. It's all yours in Jesus' name. So I got a few declarations ready and we'll be done by 7.30. I declare and decree. I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I declare and decree that the rock has been smitten and the blessings are flowing. My thirst is quenched. My needs are met. Everything I'll ever need for life and for godliness is mine in Christ Jesus. I declare and decree that the waters are gushing out. By the way, friends, one of God's names is El Shaddai, the breasted one, pouring from his heart, pouring from his heart are these blessings, these good things, these healings, everything you want and need. Hallelujah. The river of life, it's flowing into every dry place right now in Jesus' name. Every wasteland, every wasteland, it's becoming a river. Glory to God. (laughs) I want you to see it, friend. I want you to believe it. I want you to imagine it. I want you to declare it and let's be relentless in making it ours. In Jesus' name, Father, thank you for the great love you have for this people, for the destiny of heaven for everyone under the sound of my voice. Thank you for the miracles that you have in store for each one of these people. Thank you that your name, their name is on all these blessings, Lord, that you have for them. And Lord, I thank you that we are calling those things that be not as though they are. And destinies are being fulfilled in Jesus' name. And the miracles are flowing in Jesus' name. Amen. Have yourself a wonderful week in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. 
If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.